Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Give me the accounts. There we go. Hey, what's up, guys? Chris Rosali back with another Breaking the Fourth Wall. And not often I get to do this, but I get to have a return guest. Uh, this gentleman has been with us before. We had a nice long conversation about Westerns, and we're going to get more into Westerns now. He is the, I believe, director and writer, as well as one of the stars of the upcoming movie Showdown at the Bronzos. Yes, and, sir. As well as many other Westerns. Mr. Bill Foster. Bill, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me again. Ah, it's a pleasure because I, as as I believe I told you in the last episode that uh, that you were on, I truly, truly believe that uh, the 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 western, the spaghetti western, the the uh, big epic western like Tombstone or Wyatt Earp, all of those I think are just as much the American folklore. Just the Wild West mm-hmm. itself was the American folklore, and and goes down the same annals as like Greece's. Uh, uh, beliefs in the in in their gods uh the, you know the greek mythologies or or like uh for example uh although this is a fictional character uh people like even king arthur to, to the english mm-hmm. yeah yeah the western is america you know that that's ours we can claim it nobody else can claim the western but us and you know it's it's actually you know based in real history and so and then we expand upon it and we won't let it die i mean we just keep adding you know, having stories and adventures and everything else through the through the through the uh, words that we write, and then we make them, bring them to life, and that's and that's in itself is amazing to see when you're able to write something and then you see it coming to life. And uh, we were almost through filming. I mean, we you know we set this up so we could be talking about how we just wrapped Sunday and be done with it, but we got shut down due to COVID, and 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 I think I actually caught it last week and about ready to kick it now, but. But uh, so I guess it all worked out. So in Texas, we can't have over 10 people in a group and everybody has to wear a mask. And I see we're going to be over 100 people with crew and and actors and, you know, everybody there. So there was no way, you know, there'd be cars parked all up and down the street where we're filming. You know, somebody is going to come along and say, uh, this is a little bit bigger than 10 people. Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's amazing. There's all those experts out there. I do air quotes, you know, that, oh, you could have filmed, you could have done this. You just, you know, no, of course, we've got lawyers. And when they say you don't need to film, I say King's X, we're done. We're through filming until they say we can. So so that's why we pay them. (laughs) But that's it. I know there's people out there that don't believe in the, uh, the, the, the COVID crisis being as bad as, as, as it's made out to be in the media. And then, and, and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to argue the point one way or another. I'm a person. I'm a person. I don't think it's as bad, as bad of an epidemic as it's made out to be in the media. I think there's a lot of fear mongering going on there. However, oh, yeah. I'm still a person that puts on the mask when I go in the store. You yeah, know? yeah, I do. I wear it all the time. Did before I caught this. And like I said, I can't say positive because I just got tested today on a quick test. It's negative. Uh, of course, there's like 60%. You know, they don't know if they're working 60% of the time. Who knows? But, yeah, the media's playing it up. Uh, I, when I was in school business, we would have viruses go through, flus go through. We'd have to shut school down sometimes. Mm-hmm. We'd have 40% of our kids gone with the flu or a virus, and so we'd shut school down for that. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I'm only 58 years old. But, uh, you know, what I had, whatever I had, I couldn't function. For, right. you know, for July 1. So 10 days, 12 days now, I'm just now getting back to where I can function last two or three days. And in fact, I was telling you off there, I'm working on a video right now doing some special effects. Up to today, I hadn't even opened my computer. You know, it, I couldn't <laughs> even do that. So once you get it, you know, isolate yourself, whatever it is. Yeah, but it is, but, and, you know, I lost my dad and stepmother in December, both pneumonia. 
Right. Air quotes again, pneumonia. How do we know it wasn't COVID back then? We don't. They were 80. My dad was 87 and uh, stepmother was 85, so both in nursing home. Who knows? I mean, you know, they had so many underlying conditions. But anybody can take anything nowadays and twist it to where we don't even know what the truth is anymore. But the truth is, the Western is America. That's it. The Western is American. Now you said the COVID thing, unfortunately, did shut down your shooting. I imagine you were you were doing the rap, like you said, the rap shooting. Uh, do you have any idea of when you'll be able to get back on studio to to get this done? No word as of yet. We're still just ten in a group, and so uh, you know we're fixing to be into August. It's 104 today, so Lord, uh, yeah. So I've already told some of my crew that. You know, don't expect anything till at least September when it starts cooling down into the 90s, maybe even October, you know, uh, because we're some of the scenes that we're shooting is outside. Right. And so they're going to be testing, you know, it's dusters and, and layers like makes it look. I, I really don't believe they dress like that all the time back then, but it sure does look good on camera. Right. And, and we don't need anybody falling out due to heat exhaustion. And so we're going to play it smart whenever we film. You've got to take in the health consideration of everybody. And so we plan, you know, let's do our outside early. During the heat of the day, we go inside, film inside. And then at the end of the day, we'll go outside and film our outside. But, but uh, you know, I've been on sets, Fear of the Walking Dead. Temperature made no difference. You know, whether it's 35 degrees, cold north wind blowing, we're out there in our skivvies, you know, uh, costume things. Or if I've been out there with a the mask on in the middle of the field and it's 102. So, you know, uh it, it, you know, when you're really in the movies, when you're watching the movie, you don't know what temperature it is when they're filming. You look at, it, oh, it's 75 degrees in Hollywood. You know, it's so pretty there. No, it, it may have been 105 or it may have been 35. We don't know. But acting warm is very difficult. I, I just did an interview uh, a couple episodes ago with a uh, with one of the extras from uh, the 1975 Jaws, and. Oh, cool. uh, you know, talking about the scene where, where the shark shows up in the uh, lagoon. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Jaws. Everybody knows mm-hmm. Jaws. You know, and, and, and uh, when, when the Kittner boy gets killed. And right. everyone comes running out of the water. And he was one of the little boys that ran out of the water. And he was telling me, it's like, they were shooting it in April. Like, them kids oh. were freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. You, you never know in film, you know, it could, be, it could be set up to look like it's summertime. And it's mm-hmm. middle, it's the middle of December, you know. So, well, you know, I, what I always told my employees, I've had up to 100 and 140 employees at one time, and and then movies. I'm not gonna make them do anything that I wouldn't do personally. So if I'm not gonna get in that water and it's too cold, I'm not gonna make them get in the water when it's too cold. Vice versa, you know, or hot or whatever. Right. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I get a drink. But yeah, it, you never know. Well, the, the 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 question is like you said, like you mentioned with like the Walking Dead. The only time I would imagine like uh, the the elements might get involved, and this came to my mind because you mentioned the Walking Dead. I imagine for the actors, even even though it's hot or cold or whatever, you you, you can work around it. But I would imagine it messes with like some of the the prop scenery or makeup. Like if it's it a four, I would imagine the zombies makeup are just melting. Yes, it does. And, and what was worse is I was what they call a mask walker. So I had this silicone, uh, like a bread sack, you know, you pull down over your face and you're breathing out of a hole about the size of a dime, well, not even a dime size. It's it's little bitty and trying to look out a little bitty hole to see where you're walking. And, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the assistant directors, he, he after a shoot one day, he said, he called us in and he said, I want to see what it's like to be a walker. So he said, I put the mask on and immediately called for medics. You know, it's so hot. <laughs> I, I, I imagine, I mean, because that's latex. I mean, even though you have yeah. the hole for the eyes, the nose, or like you said, the breathe tube, that's still like walking into a sauna. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you hold, and, and what people don't know is you put them over your fist and you hold them because you don't want to lay them down. They get misfigured and you don't, and, right. and they're yours, buddy. You don't, you don't walk off and leave them unless you know somebody really good that's going to watch them for you. I mean, you take them to the bathroom, you take them everywhere with you because you don't want to get charged with leaving a mask somewhere. Oh, they charge so you? you Damage? Yes. I mean, if it, now natural damage is one thing, but if you leave them and you get lost or whatever or somebody steals it, you know, you're, you're whew. but anyway, you put it over your fist and you hold your elbow up. Well, the sweat's just pouring off your elbow. 
you know, you don't think about your hand and arm sweating that much, but it's just <laughs> dripping off. But, but so be it as the as the uh, as the uh, show goes on, you know. But but uh, you know, and a saloon scene I filmed last year, and uh, it was in September, but the saloon was not air, air conditioned. Even if it was, you couldn't run it because the cameras sound pick it up. But it's right. so hot in there, the cameras start shutting down, and we'd had to stop, put them in front of a fan, and let them cool off. For 30 minutes then go back and film and so uh that's all the little stuff behind the scenes people don't see well like like, like we were saying with the walking dead i gotta ask for like the the western because I, I imagine you're using uh practical effects for like uh gun gun fights and stuff you, you know like the the I, I forget what they're called but the little like explosions for the, yeah. the packs. Blanks. We, yeah. we're using blanks and stuff like that and i was in a movie were first my own guns and we stood out in the rain and so that kind of did those in i never they never fired again you know they were cheap now let me back up they weren't expensive guns but they were cheap so i i had to order me some more but those things happen you know we got ready to shoot that afternoon on this movie i was on it nothing had happened my firing pins were froze up and i ripped those guns and i was the armors now i was ripping those guns apart spraying lubricant all over them trying to get them to shoot and they and still this day they will not shoot i mean they froze up and they they're done <laughs> you know, well, they're just, now. I, I was i was figuring for the uh for the special effects of like somebody being shot you know you got the little explosions oh yeah esther whatever that shoot out the blood packs or or whatever mm -hmm. it is i imagine the, the elements mess with those as well whether the triggering of the explosion or just like the the the, the validity of the the obviously fake blood that you yeah. use it would, and, and just, you know, the, like the logs you put on, you know, the sound equipment you're trying to tape to your body, you're so sweaty and mm -hmm. hot that the you, first thing you know, the sound guy comes up and says, we got to find your microphone. And it's, it's down <laughs> in your pants somewhere because, you know, because <laughs> uh, you're sweating and it's come untaped and they just slid down and we've got them try to get them pinned to stuff or whatever. Uh, when it's cold or the wind's blowing, you're trying to act warm. You can't hey, talk like this, you know. You're trying to be sure and act like you're warm. But uh, I got to lay in some good cold mud one time on Fear of the Walking Dead, and, and just laid. And you know, I was dead, so I wasn't moving. I hear people walking off, but I wasn't gonna move. And finally, some some guy way on down the list came over and said, "Sir, uh, you can get up now. We're done." And I stand up. <laughs> Well, nobody around. I guess. I guess I really played that one part good. <laughs> Oscar worthy, right there. <clears throat> good dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to raise your head, to look around, and, and they say, "Ah, oh, cut." You know, right. you never know where the cameras are, and so, you know. But, but being on the other side of the camera, on the director side, I'm loving that because a lot of people have asked me if I like that or acting and i'm really liking i love both of them but i think directing because you get to paint the big picture right as an actor, you create that one part of the picture and as a director you create the whole picture and so uh, you get to put that it's not as you don't get as famous you know except like the cohen brothers or something like that you know john ford a few of those others the actors are the ones that get the glory but uh, the director makes the actors so you know so well, no. You're absolutely right, and I, I again, I've, I've like I said in the first episode, I think the uh, the western is is I don't want to say a lost art, but it, it, if I were to put it in a musical sense, like in the music industry sense, I would say the western's kind of gone a little underground. You see everything that comes out nowadays; it's always science fiction, horror, or you know, Fast and Furious style movies. There's a lot to be said about coming back with the with the western and. Like with, with guys like you who are, who are trying to bring uh, keep that keep that genre alive. Mm -hmm. um, big got, demand internationally, big demand for westerns. I can't get enough of them overseas. Uh, and of course, good ones in America go over really well. Uh, you know, like Tombstone and some of those others. And and when you have a good movie go over, then all of a sudden there's several follow it, trying to imitate it. But mm -hmm. the western's always a western that a good western. Now there's lots of sorry westerns as, as there are sorry other movies too but you know, I, I, told, <laughs> yeah, I told my lawyers i said do not let me put anything out because once you put it out it's there and if it's not any good i want them to be be honest and say hey don't do that and right. so we hadn't got to that point yet but but everybody you know they seem to be loving and you mentioned something a while ago uh 
I just got noticed the other, notified the other day that my newest script, I Heard the Quail Whistle, which we can talk about here in a little bit, the next project, it, it has made it made the cut in the New York screenplay contest. Oh, wow. And the judge says that she really does not like reading period pieces. Okay. But she loved this one. And so uh, that kind of tells you a little bit about who's selecting the movies to be made. If it's people that really don't like period pieces, then, you know, then you're not going to get it pitched to the right people. It goes on a shelf somewhere and that's the end of that. So it's really got to do something to catch their attention to get past that stack. You know, they got a stack of scripts, you know, three foot tall. What makes it, you know, different from all the rest of them. And uh, so uh, the only critique I had on it really was I've got to, and I knew it was a rough copy. I just trying to get it in. And I've got to go back and clean it up some. And so that's what I'm going to be start doing probably tomorrow, trying to clean up, take out some of the gaps, shorten it. It's 160 pages and industry standards, 120. So <laughs> as they call it a mammoth script, <laughs> but they loved it. So hopefully it'll do better. You know, I've got it entered in several others and we'll keep entering it. And that always helps when you well, raise pitch. When I look at your IMDb, and I know you're, uh, you, you not only are you a, a a Western actor, director, writer, but you have a love affair for the Western genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking at your IMDb, obviously you love the showdown, the showdowns that you do, uh, Brazo and 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 all that. But you've also played like legitimate uh, uh, historical figures from the Wild West, like uh, like the Thirty Seconds in Hell with uh, mm-hmm. Virgil Earp. Yes, it leaves can't me quite wait to do that. Can't wait to do that. We're we're on hold again. Uh, we are packing to get ready to go to New Mexico film that one. Shave my beard off and had the mustache just like uh, Virgil. You know, went to the barber shop, showed a picture, and uh, got all ready. And it got shut down to COVID, and so we're scheduled in September. And he's New Mexico just shut down the last few days, but we're he still says you know we're trying for September. But yeah, I can't wait to film that, and that's that's going to be so neat. Because I got last summer, I got the tour where they filmed the the movie Tombstone, and so you know, if you like movies, you love going to those sets. And and mm-hmm. I buy DVD movies. My wife said I always watch the boringest part first, which is how the movie is made and the sets and all that. That to me is the best part of the whole DVD. And uh, or now YouTube, you know, I'm always going on how they filmed this movie and that movie or where. Right. Yeah. Open range. Open range. They built that whole town just for the movie. You know, it's unbelievable. It's the middle of nowhere. And, you know, Kevin Costner said, I want to look 360 degrees and not see civilization. And so he found it up in Canada. So, but, you know, and that does, and there again, period pieces like that. You can't have high lines in there. You can't have uh, chemtrails. You know, we got to edit those out. Right. You can't have airplanes. And so it's finding places like that that you don't have an air conditioner in a window. It's pretty tough. But so far, we've been able to do it. But on, I heard the quail whistle. I want to film it in New Mexico. I've got a couple of places located and got some people looking for me out there. So I can't wait to go out there and sit down with them and, and really start meeting some of these folks and, and uh, getting it all lined up so we can start pitching it for the next investors. Well, the, the the two questions that come come from where I was leading with that, uh, with the with the mention of the thirty seconds in hell, um, mm-hmm. the two questions I had, uh, well, one I, I was going with until you until you told me about the looking forward to playing Virgil. Uh, question number one for for the Virgil Earp uh, uh, part is uh, is it a little nerve wracking to follow? Really, you know, we talk about Val Kilmer's performance in Tombstone, or 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 Kurt Russell's, but Sam Elliott is a uh, first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Guaranteed, I guarantee you it is. <laughs> luckily, the script is so different. To, it's it's really a neat written script, and it's kind of like a dream sequence, and I can't, that's all I can say. It's, it's really different. But, uh, yes, first thing, when they cast me as Virgil, I was like, holy crap, I got to follow Sam Elliott. You know, any of those now, you know, you'd have to follow. And mm-hmm. actually, the author, he said, which one do you want? He, he, he actually offered me any of them. And I felt real honored there. And I said, hey, you, you wrote it. You see me work. You put me where you want to. There's certain things I will and will not say, you know, 
I won't use the Lord's name in vain. I'll cuss a little bit, but not foul mouth because, you know, my grandkids will see this movie. And right. so uh, he put me as Virgil Lurk. And uh, so, you know, still looking for that love scene. <laughs> well, tell him if he's still looking for a uh, Doc Holiday. I'm available. No. <laughs> Probably get big note. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You ever see the Long Riders? Remember yeah. Back in the, <laughs> you're a Horrorville star. <laughs> I'm looking for that scene. <laughs> but uh, the, the other question I was going to ask is that when you do these movies, uh, regardless of whether you write them, produce them, direct them, or even star in them, which ones are more appealing to you? Obviously, you you, you love everything you do, but which one's more appealing? The the fresh from your own imagination uh western story or the ones that are uh, to use your words period pieces which are based on you know actual characters from the wild west days be it you know wild bill cody or or the herbs and and doc holiday or so etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. which which one's usually more appealing to you uh the, i'll answer this i love them both but the hardest ones are to portray what that other director sees you know, when when you 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 being one of those characters, like when I'm Virgil Earp, I want to make sure that I can portray the character that my director wants to see, and so it, it really adds a lot big element. You know, I can try to imitate Sam Elliott, or I can try to imitate John Wayne, and I can strut and do all that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> but if that's not what the director wants, it it doesn't matter. When I'm doing my own pieces, I pretty well know how I want that character to be, and uh, so. Then, then it's a lot easier to be my own person, be my own character, because I've written him. And, and and I told my my co-star Larry Welch, I said, you know, when I wrote this, I really like your character better than mine, because he's the comedy, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's the comedy relief, and he fits it perfect. And that's why I gave him the role. And I said, you know, I, when I wrote this thing, I really like uh, Samuel' character a lot better than mine, and and mine I really don't like at times. Which, if that makes sense, you drink. I apologize, had to get keep getting a drink because COVID biting my throat. Oh no, that's that's absolutely fine. You got to definitely take care of yourself. But I mean, uh, that let, let, now let's get on. Let's get on to this new project that's going on. Obviously, okay. we're looking forward to the uh, showdown of the Bronzos uh, mm-hmm. when you're completed completed and get that out. Unfortunately, it's behind schedule because of the COVID crisis. But uh, exactly. once it gets back on track, definitely going to be checking that out. But uh, this new one, this brand new one, the uh, you said the quail. I heard the quail whistle. Heard the quail whistle. Yeah. Can, can you tell us anything about that uh, without? Oh yeah, too much without, without without spelling too much. The story, the title is a story of its own. How I got the title. Okay. I had a lot of different titles. Did not like any of them. I mean, usually a title kind of pops itself up in the middle of the story, and I'm like, oh, here it is, boom, boom. I tried everything and i'd entered it in a, in a pre-published contest where they won just the first three chapters of my work and it got down to like two days before the headline i still didn't have a good title i was going to send one in but i didn't like it uh-huh. i was outside feeding my horses and it was evening and sun setting and i heard a bob white quail whistle in the distance and i said there's my title right there right <laughs> there's the title i heard the quail whistle so i ran back in the house had to add some stuff in there where the main characters hear quail whistling and uh, to tie it in. So that's why the title worked with the story. And then I, this, the uh, contest ended up winning best fiction and best overall book. So, uh, nice. so we kept, we kept the title and uh, everything else. We've quail whistle productions now, quail whistle vineyard, but on the movie, my wife challenged me to write this story. I'd written uh, three or four novels where it's always, you know, I write kind of like the old John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart era, the hero rides into town, doesn't want to be the hero. And really that's Greek mythology too. Right. Uh, you know, always ends up with the woman or happy ending or doesn't always happy ending, but you know, try to anyway, love story somewhere along the way to appeal to both sides. And she said, write a story with the woman as the hero, be a, you know, a heroine. Okay. And so you can't turn down a challenge from your wife. You got to do that. So <laughs> I, I sit down. And so that's a wholly, whole different twist of the Western where there's a, instead of the John Wayne strutting through the streets or Jimmy Stewart that doesn't want to be there and, you know, riding in on his horse, uh, you've got a woman as a hero. And how she gets to be the hero is, is part of the adventure. She goes 
through a lot of challenges in life and all in a short period of time, you know, and it captures the uh, movement West, you know, going, settling, it's based in Nebraska and you know, move West and, and promise of land, free land. They came from Ireland and they have a promise of free land and, and her husband's bound and determined to have this farm. And so they veer off and, and they're going to homestead land in Nebraska and live happily ever after. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And so goes to the story. And, and, and I didn't realize it when I wrote it, but when I wrote, when I transferred it from a manuscript into a script, a screenplay, <clears throat> that the main character, Sage Cooper, Marshall Sage Cooper, he's an older uh, Marshall, Robert Duvall type, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, okay. any of those big name stars, that types that they're trying to get him to retire and he won't retire. And then the heroine, Molly O'Connor, redheaded, uh, beautiful, Maureen O'Hara type uh, actress. They're in it through the whole thing pretty much. But everybody else, there's like 60-something speaking parts or something like that to be cast. We can get their parts done in two or three days. Okay. So we don't we don't have to have the blacksmith there for two weeks in and out getting his part done. We can go in there and shoot his scenes with it all and get his done. He's out of there. So it's really going to help on our budget. So when we get ready to start pitching this thing, it's really if they say, okay, your budget for not your A-listers, but everybody else is $100,000. We can get a lot of actors in there for $100,000, whereas if it's right. written another way, that hundred thousand dollars may be eaten up by three or four actors because you keep them there so long. And so, um, I was really proud the way that uh, came out. A lot of people saying, you know, they're wanting to be in it, and I've, I've not cast anybody, but there's some I want to be in there. And they're saying, well, how long? You know, I'll, I said, well, we, we're going to be able to knock yours out in three or four days. You know, uh, <laughs> so uh, get your scene in and undone with. But the main two actors, you know, those two will be there for a while. So that worked out really well. Well, with the with the character uh, Molly, uh, for for people to to know, like when you say she's the heroine, she's she's the main protagonist of the story. Uh, is she gonna wind? Is, she, is it one of those types of stories? Again, no spoilers. So if I'm hitting territory you don't want to discuss yet, you know, just stop me now. But is she gonna be one of those characters where it's more of a dramatic type heroism, or is she really gonna be going like guns blazing, uh, for lack of a better term, kill Bill? style type woman at some point in this in this film a, a, a full-on gunslinger i'll, I'll put this but she starts out very soft becomes very hard and, and ends up very soft how's that that works <laughs> without jumping yeah, without, without in. Telling, you know without telling everything and, and because she is a very you know back then the wives were very strong uh, uh very strong will they raised the family that they, they had to they had all their chores and raise the kids too, and cook and clean. And the husband was, you know, he was the leader of the family. And so they were very meek and mild as far as leadership goes, but yet they were so strong in, internally. And she has to become not only internally strong, then she has to come out of that and become uh, outwardly strong. And then she can become a woman again, if that and makes a, sense. And of course, she made her a redheaded Irish woman. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's... Yeah, yeah, that red hair comes out. Uh, <laughs> I mean that just that just goes hand in hand right there. And you know, and I drew from you know I'm Irish Polish descent, so you know I like to draw from some of my own when I'm doing research. And and actually, when I wrote the manuscript, I looked at the Irish language and tried to incorporate. And Spellcheck really loves Irish colloquialisms. You know, <laughs> it picks them out. You know, a wank of a man, you know, it really doesn't like any of those. But, you know, you leave them in there because uh, you want to sound sound like they're from Ireland. And, you know, they don't use uh, they don't use contractions. And my wife, she's my editor, and she goes, what's the deal? These people, they don't use contractions. I said, well, that's the way they talked. You know, they were learning English. And so it was instead of I'm, you know, it's I am not going to town instead. I'm not, you know, instead of ain't going to town. You know, they didn't say it like that. It's. Kind of like uh, on True Grit, the new one. I do not know that man. Instead of <laughs> I don't know that man. <laughs> you know? Right. So that, they that, just talked different back then. And then we put our slang on it since then. But, you know, they were new to the country and trying to learn the English language and the English ways. And 
again, follow that promise of free land. So I'm, I'm imagining the character kind of being a spitfire, uh, even even in her oh, yeah. in her meeker times where like maybe she's and I don't want to use this term because I, I don't want to offend people, but she may be meek to her husband, but anybody else she'll give the business to. Oh, hey. yeah. Yeah. And that was that was the women back then. You know, they they knew, you know, they knew that the husband was the leader of the family. But and they, I'm sure they just like now they told the husband what to do a lot. <laughs> and, but, uh, you know, they didn't speak up a lot back then because anywhere, church, uh, town, you know, they didn't even have the right to vote back then just yet. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but inwardly, they were just super, super strong people. And, and uh, they were that drive that kept a lot of men going, uh, you know, as they moved their family across, you know, a lot of people, as we say, saw the elephant and, and turned around and went back east. And so, but a lot of them didn't. And they had that woman there supporting them and pushing them and saying, let's move, let's go, let's go. Yes, we ha- all have in our own lives now. Well, with the uh, with, with with this film, obviously you're you're uh, you're you're in the beginning stages. Everything's in, in pre-production, I guess is the correct term. Uh, any realistic projection? I know it's hard with uh, with uh, COVID and everything. Any realistic yeah. projection when you're going to be hopefully starting the film, or even more so when you hope to release? I would love to start filming uh, early spring. You know, hopefully we. Can, and I used to say I'm going to wrap up showdown first before i start pitching this other mm-hmm. with the quail whistle but if covid lifts we're going to start pitching this and pretty quick whether we get the other one uh wrapped immediately or not and so it's going to happen real fast once they open the floodgates it's going to happen real fast but there's a few things we can do in preparation for that they'll you know maybe go to new mexico and, and locate the sites visit with the people out there i've got some connections out there and I need to do that just as far as working up a budget. And, uh, you know, I'm used to working with $10, $11 million budget in the school system, and that's not a really big budget, but, but it, it's more than, more than uh, heck of a lot more than what we spent on Showdown. And I can't, you know, we self-funded that one, did not do any crowdfunding whatsoever, cause, but there, and there's a reason for that. But this next one has got to be uh, – investor funded and there's some distribution companies that if we sign with them they'll fund your next movie right like for three more movies if they like your first one here we sign this we'll do the distribution and we'll sign we'll sign you up to direct three more and or two more or or whatever and so we're really looking at that and so hopefully that's the way we can go and get that you know and if i can just get people in the room with me to sit down and listen i can either talk their legs off eardropper <laughs> and just they'll be begging me yes i'll give you money just let me out of the room <laughs> or convince them one you know it's the passion that we've got in the movie and being prepared to uh be able to pitch a good good sound western to them if they they like and maybe it's uh, that's why i'm trying to get some awards on it right now and it's full script and ready to go will there be any crowdfunding uh like a like a GoFundMe or anything like that i, I, I just don't believe in that uh for, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't believe in it. Two, uh, I don't think distribution likes it. You know, when you go distribution, say, oh, we, we crowdfunding, you know, $5,000 and we were able to do that. No, uh, you know, we, we sat down and we decided not to do that because we wanted to be able to go distribution and say, this is what we produced on our own. Give us a budget and we can do even better. And, you know, so, uh, and, and there's a niche for, Good movies, but not not twenty, thirty, forty million dollar movies. You know, right? Uh, you know, two or three million to five million dollar budget make a great movie. You pay your, get you a couple of A listers on there that brings the uh, the talent there. Just like Jeff Davis, he came and did Showdown with Brazos, and boy, as soon as he walks on set, everybody got better. And that, you know, it's kind of like you know, uh, uh, you know, when Troy Aikman walks in there and you're playing flag football, everybody's gonna get better. Well, being an Eagles fan, I can't necessarily agree with that. My grandson would love you to death. (laughs) He is an Eagle fan. Well, I am for Philadelphia. I mean, you got to you got to support your team. Oh Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Change the subject. What do you think the Redskins' name new name is going to be? Hear anything? Don't care. I hate them, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since they're in my division, I, I guess Target would be fine. 
the Washington Targets. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were going to rename them today, but they just announced that they dropped all their logos and everything. So I just curious to see what you if you heard anything. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see when you get a new fran- uh, franchise that changes their name in there. So the Dallas Cowboys will be Cowboys from now on, though. Well, I mean, it's not too not too far away from me. It's not too different from when. Uh, uh, the Houston Oilers went to uh, to Tennessee and became the Titans, but then Houston yeah. came out with a new team and called them the Texans. It's basically the yeah. Oilers. I don't know why they didn't just did use the Oilers. <laughs> yeah, well, trademarks and all that. But yeah, I love the Houston Oilers. Remember back when they played Pittsburgh two years in a row and Bum Phillips? Oh my gosh, Warren yeah. Moon. Yeah, Warren Moon flinging that ball around. Got Dan mm-hmm. Pastorini. Wow, <laughs> Earl Campbell. But uh, no, I've been a Dallas Cowboy fan since Super Bowl five. That's the earliest I can remember. So that's been a few years back. <laughs> that's a few years back for, for for Dallas Cowboy fans to understand. Well, I, of course, I respect the fact that you guys have like what was it five Super Bowl rings, you know. And mm-hmm. of course, the Eagles only have one, but at least I can still watch my Super Bowl win on Blu-ray and not VHS. Oh yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are kicking butt. I mean, when y'all kicked our butt last few years, great team. <laughs> Wentz, great quarterback. You know, he can stay healthy, man. You know, if you got a good quarterback, you in the front line, you can you can do a lot of win a lot of games, get lucky, and go real deep sometimes. Wentz is a good quarterback, but Philadelphia screwed itself, in my opinion, because Foles was that Foles has proven himself twice in Philly, and both times right. has used him used him wrong. His first run in Philly, he was solid. And then they traded him off to go get, uh, I forget his name, but he, he was Bradford or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That guy was Bradford. a joke. Then we brought him back as a backup quarterback. And, you know, every well, while Philly was screaming the blues when Wentz went down that, that uh, 2018 season, I said, look, Nick did some damage his first year in Philadelphia. Give him a chance. That yep. boy not only took the team to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, and as a backup quarterback won MVP. I told you this boy ain't no joke, and we get rid of him again. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about hard luck. Now, he he's had the hard luck syndrome. I mean, they just wow. You know, yeah. like get, yeah. give Opie a chance here, man. You know? <laughs> I swear yeah. to God, he looks like Napoleon Dynamite when he speaks. You know, <laughs> he really but you can't yeah. you can't deny his talent. You know? Yeah, just as long as he throw that football. You know, so as much as as much as everybody banks on on uh, Carson Wentz here in Philly, I'm still you know to me it's like we were dumb to get rid of Falls. Oh yeah, I was wondering what they, but it all it's all money. It mm-hmm. all comes down to money. You know, they're paying Wentz the big bucks, and and Foles was cheaper, and and uh, we're gonna keep the high draft pick. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it is it is what it is. Uh, but you know, hopefully I'm wrong about Wentz, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you remember, you know, Dallas did the same thing, drafted Troy Aikman, then brought Steve Walsh in in the supplemental draft and had a little con- controversy going. And they used to debate in Dallas, you know, who was the better quarterback. And, you know, it was Aikman all the way. But there was there was a lot of people that thought that Walsh was the better quarterback. And, of course, he went on to absolutely nothing. Uh, this is This is from a guy who can't stand Dallas. I will say it to you straight out. As a guy that can't stand Dallas, and one of the things I used to root for was every single sack against this guy. Dallas' better quarterback, even today, sorry, Dak Prescott, has always been Troy Aikman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. I, he, I know this one because I hated him so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, a, he was an excellent quarterback and, and uh, yeah. slippery little devil, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Him and Roger, the two best quarterbacks that's ever graced the Cowboys uniform. And, you know, Romo was better than people gave him credit for. Romo just, you know, pass here or there would have changed the whole. What that one play against Green Bay? If we'd mm. got the touchdown like it was really supposed to be, totally different ball game. We'll win the ball game, go to the Super Bowl. You know, and there's Romo. You know, all of a sudden he's in there with the big boys. So mm. one bad call. But, you know, bad uh, calls. They always hurt you, but when it's a tough game, whenever play counts like that one, you mm-hmm. know, just an offsides kills you. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But you know what goes great with football? Like so we're sitting here talking football. You know what goes great with football? Alcohol. <laughs> there like, you go. Like, like that segue. 
besides besides the funding, going back to the funding that we were talking about that that you're talking about for your films and all that, I and and like you said, you self fund as well. A lot of I imagine the profits that come is uh, the fact that you do run your own winery, your own vineyard. Yeah, correct. Uh, we're gonna have our first crop this fall. Well, not this fall, as of here in the next couple of weeks. For some reason, we don't know why, but the grapes are ripening faster every year, and so we're. We're about halfway ripe right now, and so we've ordered some bins, and um, we're going to make our first wine this fall. We've got a contract with a company that's going to bottle it. This will be a small crop, probably by maybe two to 400 bottles of wine, something like that. And then uh, we've got seven acres, only one acre that's producing right now. Next year, there'll be two acres producing, uh, and it's kind of stair-step like that. We, and it's all dry reds. We let the high plains up in West Texas grow the whites because they're harder to grow and they like the cool nights, which we don't have right now. We got hot nights, you know. It's, it, it'll get down in the 70s, but but uh, but yeah, we we started this. At, this was our retirement, the vineyard. We weren't doing movies. We weren't going to do the acting and all this. And this all kind of got sidetracked. But if it all stopped, you know, right now we've had a blast. But the winery, you know, we were going to sell our grapes just as wholesale. Right, we've had such a demand for the wine, and we hadn't even made any yet. But everybody says, "I want a bottle of the wine," and and we said, "I think we need to bottle it." You know, there's there's a bigger profit in selling bottled wine than it is the grapes, and so uh, that's the route we're going right now. Of course, we've got to go through the alcohol board and all that, get our license. But but we're going to bottle this first crop, and then uh, we'll eventually make something like 28,000 bottles of wine a year by the time it's all said and done. So uh, hopefully uh, people like a lot of wine. <laughs> so, again, you did say it's a, it's a dry red. I, I, you know, I'm ignorant when it comes to wine. I know, I know wines that I like, but I'm not one of those connoisseurs that's like, you know, oh, this is a Marlowe or this is a, you know, a Zinfandel yeah. or you know, blah blah. Those are about the only two wine words I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had a, I had a, I had an ex girlfriend. Her her father was kind of a connoisseur, and he tried to teach me. He did. He tried to teach me about like seeing the legs on the glass, and you know how to sip it, and 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 be find the palate taste for it. And I'm just like, can I just drink it? It's alcohol. I want, I you know, <laughs> put it in a shot glass. I don't care. You know, yeah. but <laughs> these would compare to Cabernet. Okay. Some be a little drier than Cabernet, uh, and you know they're they're all different brands. They're all high end. We've got an advisor, and he advises very well. And so we've got high end grapes, the variety, varietal. We call them varietals, high end varietals that make the high end grapes. And so it won't be the ten dollar bottle of wine because uh, everybody makes Cabernet. There's some really good Cabernet. There's some really bad Cabernet. I bought a bottle from a grocery store, a $10 Cabernet one time. It's some of the best I've ever had. Uh, then I bought some $40 bottle of Cabernet and had to pour it out, you know, so you, you don't ever know. But uh, uh, these wines we, we're going to produce will be, some of them will be even drier than Cabernet. We have a Morved, we have a, a Tanat, and uh, we've got a new one called Suzal. I really don't know what it, it's going to be dried. I've never tasted it. Alianico tastes a whole lot like Cabernet, so we've got an acre of it. And then we've got a Petit Verdot, which is a little bit sweeter. Uh, so um, in the old country, all of those were standalone wines, but then we bring them to Texas and America, and we start mixing them together and have mixed reds. Uh, but we, we right now we're planning on leaving them all just uh, just like the old country. Well, the, uh, having... the two questions I've got to ask, and of course I've got a, uh, an industrial question later, but the two questions I've got to ask – uh, one is kind of a more statement than, than a question, but just for clarification purposes, this is going to be your own label. This isn't going to be released under, you know, for lack of a better term here. It's not going to be like Boone's Presents or no, something no. like that. It, it, it's just Quail complete. Whistle Vineyards. Quail, Quail Whistle Vine, Wine. And is this going to be nationwide, or is it just going to be exclusive to Texas for the for, for now? I hope it goes nationwide, uh, especially when we have that many when we're in full production. Uh, of course, we'll be selling it. You know, of course, on on the internet, you can ship it anywhere in America or anywhere like that. Right. And we'll be selling it, and we're actually developing a label right now. But yeah, it's Quail Whistle Vineyards, and uh, kind of we're getting a slogan together, and some, it's going to be something like there's nothing more relaxing than hearing a quail call in the evening and a glass of red wine. So, I can already, already see the commercials. 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah, worst, worst whistle when I'm when I got caught mouth, but yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know. You hear that? And uh, <laughs> we're actually gonna try to put on the label somewhere where you can put your phone up there and hear the quail whistle. You know that- how you you know you can scan it and it'll it'll play a quail whistle for you. So you know a lot of people may not know what a quail sounds like, and so they'll be able to do that. And uh, so we're we're trying a little different twist there. And we've got some people line, we're trying to get some actresses lined up. And we've got some really big names. Just a matter of uh, pulling the trigger when we get to that point. Well, the the industrial question that I have that I've got to I've got to ask on this because again, it, it may be my ignorance. Some some of the listeners listening right now is like when they hear this question, they may be like, "Are you an idiot?" You know. So forgive <laughs> me if this comes off as a little I'm an idiot. Um, if it comes off as a little dumb, but like uh, you named a lot of different types of wines uh, that you're hoping to pull from these grapes. Like, uh, how do you how do you change the differences? Is it in the distillery? Is it in the grape used? Uh, is it the, the how you crush the grape, whether it be industrially lies through machinery or the old fashioned yeah. way of jumping into the tub with feet? Like, how do you, how do you produce different style wines out of all the basically of, all the above each. Each variety has its own flavor. And then let's say it's the Tanat that we're going to harvest this year. Our Tanat will taste different than somebody's from Central Texas just because of different soil, different water. It'll taste to have a different variation on that. Uh, then you could, if we wanted to mix another wine in there, say 75% Tanat, 25% Cabernet, that's going to change the flavor, uh, the outcome. You can mix them like that. Okay. Uh, you can bring in different wines that maybe t- 75% Cabernet, 25% ca- uh, Tanat, you know, so, and try to ease up the palate a little bit because it may be too dry for some. Yeah. The drier is better for me, but to appeal to everybody, you may want to bring that, that dryness down just a little bit and, and bring it a little sweeter. But there's a there's a, a grape called Tempranillo okay. that actually tastes like there's black pepper in the wine. You, it's delicious. A good Tempranillo is my f- favorite. It says, where's my steak? You know, you drink a little bit of it and you say, where's the steak? I got to have a barbecue steak somewhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but now, uh, you know, a good glass of wine. I've learned to drink. I never drank wine until we started looking into it. And then we started learning how, like you said, your father, your girlfriend's dad was showing you. Uh, there's a lot to learn. But yeah. Leave the peelings in there longer, makes it a little more tannic, which makes it a little more drier. Uh, the, the actual peelings give, or the, the skin is that what gives the, the wine the color. If you, you know, all but one wine is, is very clear on the inside, you know, you, but there's one wine that is red throughout, the grape is. But, but uh, we're looking forward to getting it bottled and seeing these three or four years of work going to come together. <laughs> like my wife said, I'm ready to see something coming in rather than going out. So you're you're again you're releasing that this year. Like the, you're you're setting up the it, next year. We're going to harvest here next couple of weeks, and it'll, it'll ripen for a year in the barrels. And then next this time next year, we'll be holding up a bottle of Quail Whistle tonight and uh, advertising it then. Oh, right on. Right on. Well, we, uh, that that's that's what that's why I was going to ask is if if there any way for people to uh, get information about your wine, like uh, like obviously if we want to send send them to your films, we send them to yeah. like uh, Showdown at the Bronzos or dot com or whatever else. Is there is there anything for the uh, uh, Quail Whistle Wine uh, uh, Vineyard uh, for people? Not right now, Is- but there's going to be. There would have been if I hadn't got sick. Like right. I've been down for two weeks, but. And we just really kicked it off a couple of weeks ago of what we're going to do. And so we're in the process of, of getting a, a, whether it's going to be a Facebook or web page built where people can go in there and see our story. And I'm thinking it's going to be a, a, just a link on Facebook that'll go to the web page. But we'll, we'll get that done pretty quick because everybody's going to be wanting to know. Because, like I said, one of a good friend of mine said she has like 40 friends that get together and drink wine every week. You know, that's 40 <laughs> bottles. You think 500 bottles is a lot until you start saying, okay, 40 goes that way, 50 goes this way, uh, <laughs> one goes to you, one goes, and all of a sudden you're like, I need to save a little bit for myself. <laughs> you know? right. I get to keep one bottle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Well, Bill, I, 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 again, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I've, well, I've really enjoyed having you here. Again, why don't you remind everybody uh, who, who's been here before where they can reach out to you if they have any questions, whether it be for the winery or the films, or if they want to get more information on the films or anything of that nature, you know, uh, whether, whether it be like an email account or, like I said, a website address. Something yeah, like you can always go to my Facebook and messenger me there. Uh, if we're not friends, uh, give me a little bit. I'll find that, you know, I'll find that request later as far as messenger requests. And that's the quickest way. If you've got really questions, I, I, I try to answer all of them. Right. Um, also, you know, go to my Facebook. We post pictures. That's where we post casting calls. We've got a showdown on the Brazos uh, Facebook page where we put pictures behind the scenes on there. And so that's a good place. Or just go to IMDB and look at both those there. And soon we'll have one. I heard the quail whistle started soon, too. So uh, hopefully we'll just keep that push going. Right on. And uh, keep an eye out for that one because, I'll, you know, off air, I'm going to be pestering Bill to let me be the drunk uncle that just follows. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy that's You'll sleep. learn I drink wine. If it's bad, I'll tell you it's good. You won't know any different. There <laughs> you go. I'll be, the, I'll be the drunk uncle hiding behind the rain barrels uh, with, a, with a bottle of the uh, whistling quail. Uh, vineyard, yeah, quail whistle <laughs> wine, <laughs> a quail whistle wine vineyard, uh, bottle right in my hand. That's cheap. That's cheap promotion right there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's been an absolute blast. And when you're finally done with uh, Bronzos and you're into quail, of course, I'm going to have you back. So we've got to talk. I can't wait. I can't All wait. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk yeah. to you later. Good one. And guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.